This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash be here now. You have the ability to shift your chi, to shift your home, and shift your your life to include your creative endeavor endeavors to um, connect it to your spiritual practices, mm-hmm. and also redefine what it means to be abundant and and invite abundance into your life and invite wealth. And those things can all be explored and examined through feng shui as well as meditation too. And, Mm -hmm. and they're not separate, right? All things are interconnected and interdependent. Just like that poll quote in this introductory monologue and how great it is to be delivering the introductory monologue to episode number 42 of the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast with David Nickturn on the Be Here Now Network. My name is Michael Cammers, your host and monologist. And on behalf of all of us at Be Here Now and Dharma Moon, we sincerely hope this podcast finds you as well as can be, and we are grateful that you are joining us. Here at CSM, our guide, David Nickterm, discusses how to lead an integrated life involving spiritual practice, creative expression, and right livelihood with guests who embody and manifest these principles in their own life. And for this episode, we are very fortunate to have our good friend, author, entrepreneur, feng shui and mindfulness teacher and practitioner, and good friend, Angie Cho, joining us. Angie is a creator of Holistic Spaces, specifically focused on designing architectural interiors and teaching feng shui and meditation. She is the author of the recently released Mindful Homes and Holistic Spaces from 2018. Since 1999, she has been designing beautiful and nourishing spaces, inner and outer, with balance and harmony, informed by the ancient practice of feng shui and meditation. Her focus is to create nurturing and supportive environments, tailoring her practice to each individual's specific needs. Angie is the owner of Angie Cho Architect, PLLC, co-founder of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School and founder of Holistic Spaces, which hosts a blog, podcast, and online store. Angie is also a teacher of Dharma arts and meditation in the Shambhala Buddhist lineage. She's the Feng Shui expert at the Spruce, a regular ba, yeah, a regular blog contributor to Mind Body Green, and has been featured in dozens of publications, including the New York Times, Domino Magazine, and BuzzFeed. 
You can buy her recently published book, Mindful Homes, wherever books are sold. And Angie encourages everyone to download a Feng Shui Energy Map Guide at mindfuldesignschool.com slash ebook slash bagua. That's B-A-G-U-A. And to check out the Holistic Spaces podcast at mindfuldesignschools.com slash podcast. And to join her and learn Feng Shui at the same Mindful Design website, which will be posted on the show notes. As you'll hear in this episode, Angie has been a student of David's and a member of and teacher at our Dharma Moon community, so you can really feel the atmosphere of warmth and rapport between them in this great episode on how to lead more mindful, harmonious lives inwardly and outwardly by embracing the ancient principles Angie bases her contemporary work on. And so, this completes the opening monologue. And I'm going to leave that error in because... It's real. And it is now my pleasure to introduce to you episode number 42 of the CSM podcast, Mindful Homes with Angie Cho. Enjoy. So, um, a a, a very special welcome today to a, a good and I don't want to say old friend because that makes us sound old and we're not old. We're very youthful and kind of spry, uh, but a, a longtime friend, Angie Cho, uh, and um, who sometimes I call Angie Cho, which means Dharma in Tibetan. But um, Angie, you are a special person uh, in my world because you, uh, as we just were talking about it, have really integrated creativity, spirituality, making a buck. You make my book come to life. <laughs> so I want to make your book come to life and uh, and talk to you about what you're up to these days and uh, share with this our audience uh, your your unique perspective on art and um, and spiritual practice and also livelihood. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, David. I'm really delighted to see you. I, um, I haven't seen you in a while, but it's it's really nice to see you. Yeah, yeah. We cover the waterfront, don't we? We talk about all kinds of different aspects of living over the years. Uh, mm-hmm. But in, in, in this case, you know, um, you, you know, feng shui is, is something that people have heard about, but I, I don't think a lot of people really know exactly what it is. Could you say a little bit about it? Sure. So feng shui is one of the main modalities I practice, and it is a way of, it's a philosophy that comes from China, but Many different cultures have some way of looking at their world and their environment in relationship to nature and in relationship to how they build their their homes and spaces. And so it's just a philosophy of looking at that. So feng shui specifically comes from China, and it looks to see how the qi or the life force energy moves through a space and how you could not only arrange the objects in a space, but also arrange arrange the space around the objects in order to become more friendly with your inner and outer spaces. Awesome definition. And, uh, you know, this is something you've been studying and teaching for a long time, right? Yeah. You know, my first book I was, I wrote nine years ago. And before that I had studied feng shui for almost a decade. And so I guess it's been almost 20 years that I've been studying feng shui and I started teaching it formally five years ago. It's my five-year anniversary this year. Yeah. And is it getting more popular? It is. I feel that 
especially because of the pandemic. I mean, you and I spent a lot of time in like these Zoom squares of, in the beginning of the pandemic, right? And I, yeah. and you were at oh, which which home are you in right now? I'm in in my New York City apartment. Okay, right now. yeah. So you, but you, you, for example, were in your beach house the right. whole, like basically the whole time, and I was here in my New York City apartment the whole time, and just like the rest of the world, a lot of us were inside in our homes and started to see our relationships to our homes in a much different light in mm. the past few years. So mm-hmm. I think I think that people are very, very curious and very open to the to the to looking at how they can change their spaces and work with their spaces and they're acknowledging how much impact their homes have on them. This immediately makes me want to hire you right away to change my whole life. Um, you know, because you look around at your space and you go, this is my mind. If it's your space is cluttered, your mind is cluttered, right? And um, how you set up workspaces. And as you said, a lot of people have been working at home. And that probably will not go back to the way it was. That's a trend. That, so that's good for you, right? Yeah, well, and I've also seen on a very mundane level, because I also, I'm an architect, Architects, designers, contractors are incredibly busy right now. So we're we're recording this. Um, like I just, uh, it's after it's sometime after the holidays. But typically, my entire career, December and January are slow months, which is nice, right? It's a mm. reprieve. It's a quiet time because people are not starting renovations. There's like snow days, things like that. Me and the people that I work with, we've all been regularly turning or turning away excellent projects left and right. We simply wow. don't have the time. So people are, and it's all sorts of people, people buying new homes, people renovating their existing home, people that want to change where they live. So everyone's really looking at like, what what's going on with my home, you know, and also, and, and how do I make it more supportive for me? Because, you know, we also saw like so many people leaving New York City, like everyone's rethinking, like, mm. like, where do I want to be? What do I want my home to be like? And it's so important to have the environment around me yeah. supportive. This is a strange leap, Angie, but does the earth have a cohesive feng shui that if you could read it like the whole planet? It does actually. So um, feng shui can be looked at in a micro and macro way, right? So you can like, for instance, there's this one, like a mandala that we use in feng shui called the Bagua map. And it can be laid, generally, it's like laid on your home, mm-hmm. overlaid on your home. It's this mandala on your home. But you can also get more specific and just lay it on a room or your desk or your face. Like, I have a pimple on my chin right now, and that's a career area. So, wow. face. Right. That's the mandala, part of the mandala where things enter. Um, that's the front of the mandala. So so it makes sense because I've been working on my career a lot in the last month. And so I got this huge like inflammation on my chin. Just energy is there. The yes. It's going there. But earth wise, so if we expand out your whole property, your block, your city, your country, the earth. Um, it's like a constellation, right? A constellation is a mandala. So you are only limited by your own um, thought processes on it. So yes, the earth has 
the planet has its own feng shui. And, and actually the words feng shui translate to wind and water, which are two very elemental qualities. Feng is wind and shui is water. Well, you know, and just to also to share with our, our um, listeners, this is one of your major, uh, you know, areas of endeavor. But as you mentioned, you're also an architect, Mm -hmm. an interior designer. You're also a a very skilled flower arranger in the um, Asian uh, style, in the Asian tradition, and um, specifically Japanese uh, school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and um, and um, you're a business person, which is something we've been talking about over the years. So um, what would you, what would happen if you put the feng shui on yourself? What would, what would you find? <laughs> well, you know, I, I do apply feng shui to myself all the time. But it's also important to recognize that we can't see our own flaws, right? So wow. we, we often tell our students to have their friends do, to have someone else do the feng shui for them. But there's so much, there's a lot you can do for yourself, but also there's an importance in having a, someone, another eye, because you become so accustomed to your own habitual patterns, like in your practice, right. but also in your home, you literally have habitual patterns that you walk in your home. Yeah. Uh, like how you how you approach your stove every morning, how you use the bathroom, how you brush your teeth. We've created habitual patterns. We create obstacles in our paths, like literal literal obstacles. Like I had one student with a New York City like railroad apartment. He had a bike like right in the middle of that long apartment, and he every day, several times a day, he would just. Walk, have to walk around it, accommodate it, and he put this obstacle right in the middle of his life. Right. Wow. So, so these things trans. It's very interesting how your inner environment is translated directly into your outer environment. But yes, you can you can definitely do like feng shui for yourself, like self assessment. Well, I'll tell you one thing I've been right. doing or thinking about recently. So I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at my husband's closet door. Okay. And it's, we renovated my apartment, um, a couple, like a year and a half ago, but we didn't run it. We didn't change his door. It's the only door we didn't change. And doors in feng shui represent your voice, your mouth and way, the way that she comes into your space, because, you know, doors are portals, right? right? Like, um, like I went to my first bar mitzvah last year. And I heard it took you so long. (laughs) Nobody invited me. (laughs) But I was like crying when I heard one of like the first prayers at this very reformed um, service. It was um, it was exactly feng shui. They the rabbi was was saying how may the doors be wide enough. May Mm -hmm. the doors of the synagogue be wide enough to welcome Everyone who wants, I'm getting emotional. Everyone mm-hmm. who wants to be loved, everyone, you know, every everything that people need. And may it be narrow enough to shut out, um, you know, negativity or, or obstacles, whatever. But so this door that I'm looking at, it's only, it's my husband's closet door. It's in the wealth area of my home. Wow. And I didn't change it out. And because it's hard why to- did Why did you not? Because I didn't think about it. Okay. So now this is my own self-analysis. Like I I didn't prioritize it. Uh-huh. And it's hard to open. It's not painted. 
it's fall, it's an old door, it's falling apart. Like when you try to open the door, it gets stuck. I tried to change the handle to make it match everything else, but we couldn't figure it out. Wow. And, you know, the, the closet can represent, especially in the wealth area, can represent hidden energy, hidden chi. So there may be like this wealth of abundance and support and um, treasure that he has that uh, that he's not able to tap into because the door, the portal is it's an obstacle. It's hard to get into. It's a pain. It's blocked. It's, so the symbolism is that he may not be able to access his resources, his more deeply exactly. seated resources. And I'm not helping mm. him. And I've tried. Mm. So you know what I did? I, I've been looking at this and I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, okay, so now that means I need to ask for help. Uh, so I need to call a contractor, ask for help. Now you need a therapist, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's an example of doing feng shui yeah. for myself. Uh, you know, honestly, as we're talking about this, it just seems inconceivable to me right now that anybody, everybody, anybody would want to have a consultation before they set foot in their house again. It's just, why doesn't everybody do this? It just, it's, it's so accessible feeling the way you're talking about it, it feels very accessible. Well, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions with feng shui, mm -hmm. like just like with Buddhism or with mm -hmm. meditation, there's the super kind of superficial Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble level of um, what you think it's about. Right. And there's a lot of people think like, oh, it's superstition. It's just, it's fear-based or it's, yeah. it, I need to fix something. Yeah. And, and maybe that's the world, the way the world has presented it. I don't know. So mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that people don't understand that there can be a deeper level. And then yeah. I think also there's a lot of shame people have around their homes. Yeah. And their bodies in the same way. Yeah. Right. Well, the home is the body. Like right. you can lay a wow. body on the, like you, we, I can draw an outline of a body on the home as part of my feng shui analysis, but there's a lot of shame. Like most of the time when I go to people's homes, they say, I'm so sorry. It's so cluttered. I'm, I'm really yeah. sorry. Uh, that would be me. Yeah. They're the very yeah. apologetic. I'm like, don't worry. This is totally fine. This is right. great. This is not cluttered, but they have this immediate, um, shame about it and they're embarrassed and and it, it also makes sense too that your home is a very vulnerable place like you don't like how many people come into your bedroom right not many so it's also a, a level of like allowing people into your heart yeah. like allowing someone into your home a stranger is allowing someone into your heart and into your personal space and it's opening up it's opening Strong up my chair just broke <laughs> This is crazy. Is? That was magic. Yeah, what? the arm of my chair oh. just completely fell off. Oh, you know what that means? <laughs> what does what it do mean? Think, what do you think it means? Uh, I'm uh, you're disarming me. Oh no! Yeah, I feel disarmed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe actually. Um, it, well, your chair—that's the chair that you. Whoa! It totally just fell off. It just it it broke off. I think. Wow. Okay. Well, that was your deep. Chair, yeah. Your chair is—that's your office chair, right? Yeah. Okay, this is where you do your work. Yes. Okay. Right. So your chair, your desk, where you do your work, that represents your career and your reason for being, your raison d'etre. Right. And the chair is your support. Right. The arm and the back 
right. is also your support. So it could mean like something is happening with your team yeah. or you need to let go of so- something is falling off. Something that's supporting you is falling away. And also that that simply your chair needs replacement, but also something else may need replacement in terms of. Yeah. Your, the symbolism of it. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's your seats. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, when people look, you know, first of all, I just want to add to everybody's awareness that you are a Dharma Moon meditation teacher. Mm-hmm. You you graduated from our teacher training program, and then you became a teacher for a while till you got too busy. We couldn't we couldn't even keep up with you because um your 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 life is expanding in so many different ways. But um, when people look, uh, basically from my perspective, when people meditate, they're actually trying to look in a mirror. Yes. If you could just hold a mirror up to uh, to the person's life and mind. Now people mistakenly think that they're going to you know mirror mirror on the wall who's the fairest of them all they're going to get like the an answer that is um uh, disproportionately uh, positive and blissful or horrible you know which is the other the flip side of it but just to see clearly um then you look at your mind you look at your emotions it's going to lead you back to your body and your physical world at the end of the day and if it isn't happening at that level period it isn't happening wouldn't you say that's true Yes, because it's not about staying in with your thoughts about things in your head. It's about being present with the world as it is. Which is a big deal these days. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of horror. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of um, uh, physical dramas that are going on about the whole planet. Like just what happened in Syria and, um, you know... Um, Turkey this last week, it's, you, I saw videos of it. It's just these buildings just collapsing. It's like whole worlds are just collapsing. Mm-hmm. Um, hundreds of thousands of people homeless overnight. And, and um, I think we're, um, all my friends and guides say we're in a position of powerful transformation. If you talk to astrologers or people, you know, anybody who's looking at the oracular side of what's going on, big deal change going on. So, is there a way through, is there an oracular? I know you're a bit of an oracle. We we tapped into that a, a little bit sometimes when we were working together. Yeah. Is there an oracular dimension to, to feng shui? Is there a way of looking at probabilities for futures and things like that? We, well, yes and no. I don't look or use feng shui to look into the future, but rather look at the present, right? Mm-hmm. But yes, feng shui is, I think, very similar to other divinatory practices where it's simply about looking at or being trained to look at something in a particular way. Mm -hmm. So I train my students and, and what I do myself is to look at a floor plan or look at someone's home and see the signs and read what's there. And that could give, that gives me information on how to support that client. Like, so it is a divinatory practice in that sense. And, and of course, feng shui actually comes from the I Ching and Taoism. So there's, Uh so we do actually use the I Ching, like the, the trigrams of the I Ching are the same trigrams that lay 
on the Bagua, which is the right. mand- the feng shui mandala, and also the feng shui mandala, the, the Bagua, is based on the same trigrams that the I Ching is, um, the I Ching works with. And the same and what does Bagua elements. literally mean? Bagua means eight directions or eight areas. Ba is eight and Gua is area or yeah. section or sector. And so it's um, a center with eight areas radiating around it. Which so, also which makes to the nine. Does that make nine? Yeah, but the, yes, it does make nine, but mm. it's the center is kind of like a non-area. But right, the cent- okay. it's but it's like we're in the center of the mandala, just like any uh, many right. mandalas can be bisected into eight directions. Yeah. Well, you know, this is there's so many directions this conversation can go. <laughs> um how's your oh, livelihood? How's my livelihood? It's it's good. I was just thinking since uh, you know, I was thinking last night about this what we may what may come up in conversation, and I was thinking very much about your creativity, spirituality, making a buck. And I think that's in a way my motto too, in, in what I want to share with the world, because I've been very fortunate to, to have like a turn in my life where I was able to start to see that I could embody all those things. And it happened all at once when actually, when I started studying feng shui, um, and my livelihood is always wonderful. So like I was thinking of one of the last times I talked to you when you were mentoring me and I was like so tired and and you 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 had me reflect on my busyness and everything that was going on in my life. And I know that I can create work-wise or livelihood-wise or money-wise, I can create anything I want. It's just that I create it and then I don't know if I want it anymore Mm. and so it's not it's not like I can't have what I want money wise or work wise or achievement wise it's that now I'm starting to refine and I need to be more intentional instead of just letting things kind of fall into my lap how can I and I have to intentionally cut things away and say no 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 you know uh, one of my gurus uncle Irv (laughs) <laughs> remember Uncle Irv from the book. Um his uh his favorite one of his favorite lines was, you know, his his shrink asked him, Well, are you ambivalent? You know, and, and he would say, Well, yes and no. So that's uh why are we ambivalent? What causes ambivalence? Not wanting to feel. Oh. That's that's what it is for me. I want to just kind of numb out. Wow. That's my Buddha, my Buddha family coming out, my neuroses. Wow. So ambivalence is because you don't want to feel the power of making, uh, connecting your intention with the situation um, creates feeling. That's such an interesting take on it. I never would have thought of that that way. Um, and there's also a part of me that doesn't want to, disappoint anyone so it's like Mm. the people pleaser and then there's also the part of me the the fear of Mm. what's going to happen if i say no to something will it never come back again but if Mm. i look back at my entire life which i've done this exercise if i look back i know the universe has always given me whatever i needed wow i've never had to worry about it angie i'm having a, a sort of dreamscape right now 
I'm right on the East River, you know, and I'm <laughs> visualizing too. all the people. Yeah, you are too. That's right. All the people in Queens, across the way there, and Brooklyn, and then on this side too, opening their windows in 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 tandem, and everybody's yelling out the window, "No!" <laughs> basic <laughs> no. Remember, Chung Mitchell used to talk about the basic no. Did you ever no. get privy to that? That no, was no, a big tell deal. Me. Tell me, tell a, me. No means no. You know, and it's an important concept to get across. It's not negative. It's just kind of delineating, you know, like, for example, he was using the context of basic discipline. You know, like if you're trying to be disciplined on something, a lot of that means, no, I'm not going to eat gelato every night. Yes. Uh, no, I am going to practice. I'm not going to like to make excuses. Mm -hmm. So uh, he was trying to communicate that to us, I think. And and um, um, there was one famous evening of of, of that. But um you know, no is a powerful idea, isn't it? Wow. Yes, I have to learn to say no more often and wow. and with definition, because also when you say no to someone and you're not clear about it, then they keep pushing. They wiggle their way right by you, right? Yes, right. But, a... but I need to take responsibility for that. It's not, they'll <sighs> keep, people or life will keep, going its way, right? Just like water will always right. follow its course. It's for me to decide where this is not, what where the boundary is. Well, and of course, the myth is that we will hurt somebody else's feelings or disappoint them. But actually, you're helping them. Don't Ultimately, can, can we say that without equivocating that if you give somebody a, like a, a kind of clarity about uh, the interaction that you're having with them, that doesn't hinder them, their growth or their their aspiration or whatever they're doing. It it it's good for them. So that idea that you're being it's idiot compassion, right? It's it's being it's 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 not really compassionate to for the other person in any case. No, there's like that classic example of, you know, this is what I would do when I was really young and dating. You I wouldn't want to break up with someone because you don't want to hurt their feelings, but then you drag it on and you make it worse. I'm just like <laughs> I'm going to be 75 next uh, Sunday. Wow. And I'm just going like, wow, relationships, <laughs> life on earth, you know, it's all going to like, you know, dissolve into uh, the basic tone that you've created is what's going to linger. Your mm -hmm. tone, your feng shui is going to linger. And, um, and um, you know, you're, this is so interesting because I, when we first started talking, remember I used to say, Angie, you're going to be a very important teacher. I, I always would push you in that direction of like, uh, you know, uh, you, you've also been disciplined in your studies. You're not somebody who's, you're not fundamentally lazy. No, I'm not. You know? I'm so, so you've learned, you've, you put yourself into it. Now it's, it feels like it's coming back out. Uh, and, you know, we first started talking about this. You said you have a new book that's coming out. I wanted to just share what that's about a little bit with you. Okay. So could you, could you hold it up so everybody can see okay. it? And this is coming out in April. We don't know when this podcast is going to air, but uh, if it's mid-April, Mindful Homes uh, by Angie Cho. You're going to want to pre-order this book. Uh, just take my word for it. What a cute drawing. Did you draw that? No, the the publisher, but the you know, that their sales team. But yeah, it's, it's good. It's, and it's, you're, you're at the, you're in the acknowledgements. Oh, now I feel like a little bit, uh, you know, touched. That makes me really happy. What did it say? Just thank you, David Nickturn or? Um, well, 
actually, well, you know, I wrote this when I was on, re- I wrote the acknowledgements when right. I was on retreat at Dayton Scholing. Right. So I talk about how it was a rainy day in France, day five of a meditation retreat. And I wandered through some, a small grove of oak trees. And I appreciated the cascading elder branches that are turning 75 on Sunday, <laughs> no, but heavy, heavy with wisdom and that they're wet. The weathered leaves touched the earth. Then a small, verdant green air acorn found its way to me. So then I go on to just thank all my teachers. And you're listed. Thank you to my meditation instructors, past and present, especially Michelle Laporte and David Nickturn. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm going to buy a thousand copies and give it to everybody I know. I actually did that with your last book. Do you know that? Yes. Thank you so much. But, but yeah, I wasn't trying to do you a favor particularly, although I didn't mind that. But I thought this is a great, you know, I'm not that good at finding gifts for people. Um, and I just thought this is definitely something everybody could use and could appreciate. So um, we'll, we'll go to town with this book. And, um, uh, you know, in a dream world, you could do a workshop or something, you know, on Dharma Moon uh, at some point. And, and um, that's, you know, you were, you were around when we were creating Dharma Moon. It was really meant to be not just a Buddhism platform but really the kind of conversations we're having right now are in some ways even closer to my personal heart um where people are really um bringing uh what they've learned into a highly manifested level of 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 uh, you know that people can see taste touch it's so uh, important because we all have that opportunity to connect our arts, like whatever that is, into our practice and into what we offer the world. And I think a lot of people shut that that part. I mean, I'm getting emotional about it, but people shut that part down, but it's totally possible and doable. Yeah. Beautiful. And and so the book, um, what's special about the book? What, what, what are some of the um, threads that are running through it? So my first book was written... You know, I'd studied feng shui for about a decade and I wrote this for, I wrote my first book and it was a bunch of to do things because mm-hmm. that's where I was in my life. And that's mm. what I felt confident enough to do. Like, here's 108 ways to do XYZ. Yeah. Tips, right? And 50 so, ways to leave your lover. Remember that song? <laughs> and I wasn't a confident writer or speaker mm-hmm. or teacher okay. or anything at that point. I was just starting, you know, and, um, and so, so much has happened, and especially because of my meditation practice, which mm. I owe to you, by the way, because my story is always that I was, um, I went to a level five class with you, mm. and you said to the class, I know someone who's kind of meditated for 10 years. Oh, yeah. And that just like, that, I was mm. like, oh my God, that's me. And that next day I changed, I, <laughs> I changed. I was like, you know what? I don't want to be that person that kind oh. of meditates for wow. 10 years. Wow. Do it or don't, right? Yeah. Do it or don't. So, so through my meditation practice and teaching and working with people and just getting older and now I have all this gray hair and. No, not much. Yes. It's all. Look, you this can't is tell. what it looks like. Let's be, let's be clear about that. Uh, but this is a different approach. It's actually redefining feng shui as a mindfulness practice because, because I, that's how I see feng shui. It's, um, it's, it's also weaving together me as a Korean American with Mm. 
with um, growing up in the U.S. with in the mm. Western world, but mm. also having learned about my cultural, more about my cultural background through meditation and feng shui. And so it's weaving together these different strands. Right. And really at the heart of this book is asking people to not look at feng shui as a checklist of things mm -hmm. to do and things to fix in your life, but to open up to become more friendly with your home, to yeah. start to engage with your home and to see your home as a living being that <sighs> can be your ally in your healing process rather and also teach you a lot. Cause again, we like, you know, I would, I remember when we started doing the Dharma moon med, uh, teacher trainings and uh, we would do all these awareness meditations yeah. in our, in our, in our homes during the pandemic. Right. right. And we, you never, most people don't give themselves an opportunity to look around their home, be yeah. just stop and stare at a wall for five minutes. Yeah. And just to hear what their home has to say. So this book is really kind of looking, redefining feng shui as a mindfulness um, practice. Right. And inviting people to slow down, to mm. pay attention to the details. Like this is, you know, what Trungpa would say, right? Rinpoche would say, pay attention to the details in your life. But mm. also pay attention to the details in your home, mm. and what do they what do they say about you? And again, like, what are the obstacles that you create in your home and your right. life, and how do they manifest physically? How do they manifest emotionally? How do they manifest mentally? So those all things are connected; they're interconnected and interdependent. Wow, I'm I'm in I'm in shock. <laughs> I know. Well, this is all the Buddhist stuff you teach and every, you know, that we've been learning, but it's, you can apply this all to your home. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, that way of looking at it is so holistic in terms of not just, yeah, checking off. And, and also it's not materialistic in the way that I think sometimes, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe an the way that crazy rich Asians would use feng shui is to is to check a list off that you know that you're going to be more successful in a conventional way, and mm -hmm. Western people too we want to be uh, successful in a conventional way. But this is really talking about um, being successful in a holistic way, right? Yes, appreciating well, what you have, and you know, not not just aggrandizing behavior, right? Yes. And also to start looking at what that means, like what those words mean, like success or abundance and seeing how they manifest in the natural world, like an abundant, like, okay, so we both lived in LA, right? Mm. Everyone has a lemon tree in LA or something, right? Mm. Or someone, a friend of a friend. And right. if you've ever had a, like a fruit tree in your backyard, you know that it has so much fruit that one family could not you know, one family, it's more than enough. It's very wow. abundant. So that definition of abundance, you can see in the world around you, in the natural world, there's too much. So then you naturally want to share. And, and if you didn't share it, it would eventually kind of go bad, right? So you want to, sh so, so how can you see things in your life and in your home that can start to have you question and have curiosity about like these words, like what is success? Like, how does that relate to my wealth area? Right. 
And how does that relate to maybe like the wealth area across from the uh, diagonal from the wealth area of the mandala is the helpful people area, the benefactors area. So uh -huh. it challenges you to think like, well, part of my success relates to how I connect to helpful people, how if I have enough benefactors in my life, but also am I a benefactor to others? Mm. So, so there's these themes that run through feng shui and in seeing how they come up into your, in your home. Like, is there a lack of it in your home? Is there yeah. an abundance of it in your home? And, and start starting to see like working in tandem with your home to, to make these shifts in your life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow. Yeah, it's and and now, what is your appraisal of what's happening in the world right now? If you if you had to like just kind of like open your uh, fullest mm -hmm. third eye lens and go look, what is happening to this world right now? In in the terms that what what we're talking about here, what's going on? I think that well. It's interesting, actually. I think in general, people are moving fast, mm -hmm. so fast, and even in their homes, that they can't see. They can't see. So and can't feel right. Can't they feel. can't see and feel. But like, like Marsha, my teacher would say, and I'm sure Trungpa said this to her: uh, "Speed and chatter make you blind." Speed and chatter make you blind. And that's so because I asked you what's happening in the world. Is that what's happening in the world right now? That's that's generally how I feel. And that and it and I'm I'm also very susceptible to it. I think that yeah. we're just move technology, our lives, everything is so fast paced that we're no we're disconnected and we're not able to mm. engage with the present moment and just mm. to just to appreciate like a warm day or the sunlight. <sighs> what do you think is happening? Well, it's funny because I do so much of this kind of communication that it's almost like a different channel opens up, which is along the lines of first thought, best thought, uh, you know. Um, so things just kind of come out that way. And 
it, it felt like something imploding on itself, like an implosion, not an explosion, but an implosion. And, um, and then like, um, it's going to, once it fully implodes, it's going to radiate out. It's going to be a new big bang, basically mm. a, another big bang because things have to completely come to a, a stop at some point or, or at the end of a cycle or that kind of thing. And then, you know, then, and, and I see this a lot in young people these days. I see some unbelievably bright, talented young people in the work I'm doing uh, in the music field. You know, 12 year old people who can who are like gifted on a level that is, I've never seen before. And I think, um, you know, I'm going to take a big flying leap here. I think we're we're morphing. Mm. Earth is morphing and, and the, our species is morphing. So there have been people who wrote written about it, you know, the kind of um, uh, deus, uh, homo deus, you know, like basically balancing the divinity element of ourselves, the sort of multifaceted, multidimensional capacity with mm-hmm. the ordinary existence that we have. Um, so joining heaven and earth, you know, that kind of uh, thread. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of chaos on the way to it. And, yes. and softening and tenderizing people to the point where that we're all going to be crying a lot, you know. Yes, I mean, I think that's probably true, too. I mean, although we're not the generation that's morphing, right? So no, I'm here. I'm clear. I the way I see myself in this. And again, you know, I'm I'm yet another generation beyond you by at least um, is in Mad Max uh, Beyond Thunderdome, that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays that character who's from the old world. And then at a certain point, he goes out in the desert and he finds this tribe of young kids. And he's like, they they look at him as a kind of bridge. And my job, I really feel this, is to bridge, um, a friend of mine said, turning um, you know, a legacy into an inheritance. Mm. So I feel kind of like I've got to hold on to the original iteration that we we heard that first iteration of dharma in the west i'm I'm that old you know mm-hmm. and then now it's taking a new shape uh you know all kinds of socio-political energies are getting mingled with it in new ways and if it's repotted in that way we have to make sure that the roots are are, are stable going across so that's the way i look at dharma moon and, and and my own involvement at this point not for me really particularly in terms of i won't be there yeah, well, I, I and I appreciate that about Dharma Moon because that's what I'm trying to do with my feng shui school. Actually, is that um, my well, the interesting thing is that you, you're you were taught by an Asian teacher, and then I was taught by American teachers, and and you and I know I don't know if you still teach in Japan, but like it's funny how it's being brought back yeah. to yep. Asian people in a different way, and and also Asian Americans. Mm. And I think that's also what I'm what I'm trying to do with my feng shui school too. Is my teacher's teachers, my teacher's teacher was um, Chinese, and then your, your lineage my, is Asian yes. culture and Asian te- these teachers. But my didn't, teachers are from were, there. Mm-hmm. But my teachers were American. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I understand. So they then, and then it. I'm mm-hmm. one of the few Asian Americans that are that's teaching it, but it's from a Western perspective because I have I'm also a bridge too. That's I feel like mm-hmm. my I'm similar to you. Part of my path is to be this bridge between the East and West in a interest in a new way. 
but it is so important to to have that inheritance. I've been using that word too, actually, yeah. lately, because um, because you want to continue it on and and recognize that we're we're our ancestors. We're also our future. We're like future ancestors too. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we honor a lineage? And still, and and have the proper roots so that it can flourish, but still evolve with with what's required, right? With yeah. dignity and respect. Yeah, and discipline. And discipline. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people teaching things that they've studied for two or three years now, and they've had yeah. epiphanies and this and that and the other thing. <laughs> when I, I yesterday I saw a picture of um, I have a book that just fell off the shelf of like you know, artful photos of Tibetan Buddhist masters of the last century. And it just was stunning. Picture after picture, you see so much depth and so much character. uh, And it takes time to to evolve those things. So uh, it's not all going to be Snapchatted into into place. You know, there's got to be. So how do people, my conundrum right now is how do people absorb that and maybe leave apart some of the cultural envelopes that are no longer really relevant or or even helpful um, and to make that transition. So it's sort of like replanting something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like trying to grow a bonsai in Brooklyn. <laughs> in a New York, in a Brooklyn apartment. <laughs> <laughs> a bonsai grows in Brooklyn. That would be the title of it, right? Ah, gee, well, here's, well, um, what, what, you know, what do you want people to know about what you're doing? This is a platform, you know, it's, um, mm. if, if I were Oprah, I'd be saying now, buy this book, and then you'd sell a million books. So I'm David, and I'm saying buy this book, so you'll sell, you know, 138 copies. <laughs> but still, what, what's, what would you like to impart um, with this book? Now, this is a major thing when you release a book. It's took years to put it together. Is there like something that you want to, put out there to people to to think about that's a good question because you're gonna are you gonna do a little touring and teaching a little bit about and and present the book um i'm going to i'm not sure (laughs) i'm not sure yet i'm working on uh, i've been working on um setting up a couple launch parties yeah and i'm also actually going to be teaching my first retreat and it's based on the book you should go all the way with that. Yes. Because, you yes. know, it takes years to put a book together and really is a summer, summary of your, you know, your work for the last several years. I mean, yes, this is this is where this is a really meaningful book for, for me because it mm. is an illustration of how, where I am right now and, mm. and how much I've changed. Um, and yeah. so it was a very emotional mm. and wonderful thing to put together into the world. And I think if I was going to, what would I want people to know about the book? I would just say, Hmm. Hold up the cover again. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, okay. Let's, let's bring it back to the podcast, creativity, spirituality, mm. and making a book. Mm. So I think that when, you know, what when, um, Feng Shui was developed. It was developed alongside a lot of other Asian modalities like Chinese medicine, Mm. acupuncture, face reading, Chinese astrology. And what I've learned is that actually um, originally in Chinese medicine, the first 
the first steps would be the feng shui and like face reading and mm. qigong, very uh, subtle and non-direct practices. They wouldn't give you herbs or needles until later on, right? Mm. Non-invasive practices. So my book is kind of an invitation to think about like, you don't have to go the direct way. You don't have to fix things. You don't have to make a, a lot of changes and you don't have to go buy things. Mm-hmm. But you, but it's an invitation to see that you have the ability to shift your chi, to shift your home and shift your your life to include your creative endeavor endeavors to um connect it to your spiritual practices mm. and also s- redefine what it means to be abundant and and invite abundance into your life and um, invite wealth and those things can all be explored and examined through feng shui as well as meditation too and mm-hmm. and they're not separate right but the, well, so is this going to be the foundation of the workshops that you're going to do? I haven't decided what the workshops are going to be necessarily. Well, it sounds it sounds like you just said what they could be. They could be a lot, which, yeah. Which is the feng shui element mixed with the you know um, sense of exploring the inner world yeah. and the same with the same integrity and the same principles. Exactly. And I could see it being you know uh, you you would just need a name for it. Do you have a name for it? My retreat, yeah, mind mindful spaces, mindful spaces. Mm-hmm. There you go, baboom. dot com. But it's but yeah. it's very simple because like the creativity, spirituality, and making a buck is like it's like your stove in your home represents your wealth, your resources, because that's how you nourish yourself. Okay, what are you looking at? My stove. stove. Is it clean? Relatively. Okay, you got to keep that clean. And you got to yeah, use okay. it every day. That's your fire energy. Okay. All right. Good. And um, so that's very important. And another little tip I give about the stove is when you go to your stove every morning, like tomorrow morning, yeah, go to your stove, instead of just mindlessly, habitually going to your favorite burner, because everyone has a favorite burner. Right. Okay. Which one's your favorite burner right now? Well, I use different burners for different things, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, that's no one's ever told me that really mm-hmm. you know I, and usually i have um a pan mm-hmm. like you know because i i pan fry quite a lot of of things and mm-hmm. i have a pot you know like to steam or you know um and i'm not like usually cooking uh more than that at the, at one time so uh, average dinner might be just a little grilled fish or chicken or something like that Mm-hmm. And maybe a salad, so that's that's not on the stove. And if I'm, uh, and then in the oven, maybe a potato or a yam or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, maybe uh, steaming some vegetables, and then dropping them into the pan with the chicken or fish to get a little, a little, you know, mixed oh. energy happening there. Uh, yes. And I've done that much more during the pandemic because you know there you are. Then it's like exactly. I was in the pandemic with three people actually in my house me myself oh. and i <laughs> i was like wait i thought it was just you that was just me myself <laughs> and i and we got to know each other pretty darn well you know and you got to know yourself very well like there's so yep. many yep. there's a lot of people that have come to me and they say i hate my stove oh and it's so it's so wow uh, crushing to hear that i think because it's only it's it's part of your home and it's there to support you 
So repair it or fix it. So if you have a broken aspects of your stove, they should be repaired. But also, um, yeah, people like, okay, so my tip is that people usually go to beeline towards the same burner every like morning. But to take a moment, use that as an opportunity to take a moment in the morning, go to your stove, but instead of just going to the same one, stop and choose one. So that you're starting to reprogram your neural patterns to just to just make it just be present with like I'm gonna pick a diff- I'll pick this maybe I'll just pick the same burner again. Or and you I'll have one the- word for you. What goop? Goop. <laughs> have you watched the Netflix series that Goop put together where they explore? They take their staff and they explore like a bunch of mo- modalities like this. I don't. Um, I don't think they've done this exactly. Well, I don't know and, anyone at Goop, but you. Can well, wait a minute. We're just getting things. cooking here. Not only that, but, you know, there are TV series on where somebody goes in, they redecorate somebody's house, Mm -hmm. but not from this perspective. So you go in, you consult with the the people in the house, the the TV producers pay for the whole thing. Uh And then you sort of work with the people and then and then you get to see their house and their relationship to it evolve. It's it's a home run. I have, you know, I have been approached by some producers, mm. but I never like that. I haven't pursued it. So, I mean, I volunteer they- to help you nudge you uh, okay. and, and think about possibilities on this because I have been talking to, I did talk to a producer that, re- but see, here's the thing. Like they re I'm so busy with yeah. so much stuff. They reach out yeah. to me and I'll respond, but I'm, I'm not often the one putting the things out there. I'm cause there's, cause I'm already responding to so many things. That's why I have to say the no. It's the artist's dilemma. I mean, it's, yeah. it's uh, you know, that's why artists have managers and agents and people like that. Well, successful artists, right? Well, you know, I mean, that, uh, no. Even <laughs> artists that want to be successful oh, have okay. it too. Okay. Um, because it's part of, usually part of a path towards success for somebody who's a creative to have business people who can orchestrate things oh, like that. Yes, yes, yes. It's too much to ask from one person. Yeah. So okay. Wait. But the that's creative- a separate that's a separate conversation. But I, I see lights going on all over the board here. Well, I will tell you that I have been approached. So yeah. Well, that's um, interesting. Out of the blue. But yeah, I have, but I can't say more about it right now. I'll tell you later. I can't say it on podcast. Um. <laughs> so. But, um, but with cre- yeah, creativity, spirituality, making a buck like this, like your home is really can be a tool to support all that. We're going to put your book on top of my book and sell them <laughs> together. Okay. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I have one question for you. I have a shelf over there that's mm-hmm. full of CDs. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I'm in the music world and the music business and music has been, <clears throat> you know, a huge part of my our life and career. Um, I don't have a CD player anymore. They're obsolete. Uh-huh. Now, I didn't have a record player for years, but I had these beautiful albums and I did give them away at a certain point. Should I give those CDs? Just get rid of them? Um, how many times have you thought about getting rid of them? Every time I look at it. <laughs> because they're, I'm not, I can't listen to them. Ah, and it's not even like the albums had these beautiful covers and stuff. This is just plastic uh, well, container for something that once at one point it meant a huge amount. And then I had a record label. So I have like I did give away the hundreds of CDs that were in my basement <laughs> for each artist. You know, I had like 500 of this one, 500 of that one. But this is just one shelf in my apartment 
I don't need them. So um, um, what is that? You know, you should just get rid of stuff that you're not that you don't need anymore. No, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a Buddhist meditation talk. That's your your entertainment. It's to energy. go back and forth on it, you mean? That and also having that distraction of always every time you look up, yeah. habitually saying thinking I need to get rid of those, it's it's a good way to distract yourself. Well, and it comes back to ambivalence. I am ambivalent about it. And so well, that is means I, I don't want to feel really the sense of loss. Uh, uh, you know, the I don't want to feel the glory of having contributed so much. I, I don't want to feel the frustration of not, have, not having had more people listen to certain things. You know, I, I think I should burn it. That's what that's what it feels like. So let me it. wait. So you're sitting at your desk, right? Are you sitting at your desk right now? Well, let's not get into that. But I have a little uh, I'm way better set up out in, in Long Island in my house. Okay. So in the city, I just have a pied at there kind of situation. So yeah. I have a little table and a chair. It's not really very um Okay, but you're um, so Zoom sometimes like flips. So if you're sitting, is it your, is it in the left corner? Left corner, left rear okay. corner. So from of the, so, of the main room. So usually we, we lay the Bagua Mandala based on the door, but since I don't know where right. your door is, right? It's, is your door behind? Okay, so it is to the door. right. Okay, yeah. so that's actually since we've been talking about wealth, that's the, the wealth corner of the room you're in now. Okay, bring it. So. <laughs> There's, so if you did clear it out and make some movement and move the chi around, because simply letting, like, you know, you could even gently move it closer to the door, <laughs> closer to like, you know, to letting it go. But, um, but by having those CDs there, uh, and I'm assuming they haven't moved in quite some time, they're, they're stuck. They represent stagnant stuck chi. And they are stagnant. They can feel that. Yes, they're stagnant, they're stuck. And that relates to your wealth, your abundance, but also that area relates to, it's the wind, it's wind in the I Ching. It's called Shun position. It relates to your self-worth um, wow. and how you um, value yourself. So right. you have those connections. So that's how I value myself. That's oh. how I have hold my self-esteem, but it's old and it's stagnant and it's, collecting dust so time to let go of it you are i i said this about when i you know the other book i have is about the six realms you know awakening from the daydream mm -hmm. and that i said that when i first heard those teachings in 1970 i think it was 71 okay first iteration of the wheel of life in the west that i'm aware of trunk seminar up uh, up in uh, vermont and i walked back and i said He's killing me softly with my own song. <laughs> yes, I remember that part. Right? It's just like your own song is yes. going to really be the most poignant. Uh, and also, I guess for myself, I would say you have to have compassion for yourself to even, even look over at those CDs. Because there's so much feeling. You're right. And it's collecting dust. And to, to refresh your chi that way in terms of your creative life. Uh, is is it kind of you have to be a little bit ruthless and yeah. uh, artists that i know that are famous are ruthless actually people like bob dylan somebody like that they don't they don't hold on to it well it's just like with uh you know the flower arranging it's so hard to cut off that flower because you're like it's beautiful i can't yeah. glue it back yeah. on yeah but sometimes it's really not necessary anymore and it's actually only going it's it's like 
you create all this drama around it and it only lives for so long. It's impermanent. But also you, by letting go of something that's really beautiful and meaningful, it can allow space for more things to, to shine. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's so true. And um, that's true of your everything. It's just, it just is true. Mm-hmm. And um, there's so much letting go to really appreciate truth the right way. And um, cutting. I, I remember when we did your workshop uh, online a bunch of years back and you did the flower arranging. This everybody, by the way, take what we just did with feng shui with Angie and she can do the same, take you on the same guided trip through through flower arranging. And uh, it's, it's extremely, um, you know, in the same way informative about um, the metaphor that it represents as well. And you cleaned up at the end. Oh, yeah. Really, I- yeah, I made a comment about it at the time. I said, what are you doing? And you said, well, you have to put the things away. Right. And, so you you spend all this energy and time making a beautiful arrangement, and then you immediately take it apart. It, and that that's such a metaphor for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So how do you apply that to relationships? To relationships? With people, like intimate relationships. Well, actually, well I, actually, I just did this. There's meal. a book, by the way. <laughs> I know, but you and I, you and I, we both realized we don't know anything about it. So we we're can't not talk like about great it. relationship people, <laughs> but I just actually did some reels because we just had Valentine's day um, on uh-huh. Instagram about relationships. And I was at my parents' house in LA and you know, what I've learned through Buddhism is like, and through all these practices, these mindfulness practices is just being present with what's around me and seeing what's, what's present, what's there instead of yeah. trying to find something that's not. So I just looked around my parents' home. I was like, I'm going to make an Instagram something. My parents had two mandarin ducks and then they had a purple orchid. And I, so if I focus, let's say on the orchids, I did orchids in feng shui actually represent a way to invite a partnership into your life, a romantic partnership and a romantic relationship because it's, it's said to invite in a noble upright partner. Wow. And, and so that's such an that's such an, 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 an ambitious undertaking. <laughs> well, right. So so you know, orchid. So first yeah. of all, you could put it in your relationship corner, which is the opposite one. Right. Not so if you're looking in your bedroom, like you're standing in your door looking in the bedroom, the far left corner is what we've been talking about, the wealth area. The far right corner is the relationship area. It also relates to the mother, to self-care, to your internal organs. But if you could place purple orchid there for to to invite a partner or to work on your existing relationship because like you said orchids are not the easiest um flower to care for Mm. and many people get an orchid plant and they after the bloom the flowers are gone after the blooms um fall away they throw away the plant but most people don't. A lot of people don't know you. You can. It's perennial. Plant. Yes, and you. I can, have one out of my house, and yeah. I watched it for a whole winter, and I thought, like, oh, this is not really happening here. And and there you go. Next summer, it was back. It blew so, my mind, kind of like the, where, where where have you been? Where have those flowers been? Does this does this sound like your relationship? It. Uh, I have to think about that more carefully before okay. I uh, take my size twelve and. Put it so far down my mouth that like you won't <laughs> you'll just be seeing my knees at that point. 
Um, I don't know. I have to think about that, but uh, no, I'm going to say no. I think um, the the orchid re reblooming doesn't really remind me of anything about relationships because relationships seem to be on a track and they seem to go and they seem to like a smart person could predict the whole thing. And this is one of my sort of fears working with people is if you really look, you go, Oh, I can, I, this, why are you doing this? I could just see this whole outcome already. And I wonder if that's, um, it's like a psychic who would just never say anything. That kind of thing, you know, because this is, this is why you don't want to you, you shouldn't teach on relationships, right? <laughs> well, one time a couple asked me to do, you know, I do the one to one work with people. And I love, as you know, I love doing that. I love sort of peering at their life puzzle and seeing it. One couple asked me, would you meet with us over my protestations that I you know, can't. And I just they were good friends. So I just wanted to honor their wish. And then I just saw that it confirmed my opinion about relationships that their works in progress. Mm. And, and it, most people think of it as it's a f dream fulfillment, but it's not, it's a work in progress about where those two people are at in their lives. And do they have something to teach each other and learn from each other and um, whatever that is. So that's you know? the teaching of the orchid. I think that it's mm. not the easiest plant mm. to care for you. Mm. It may be dormant for a long time. Mm. You could put all this effort into it, research it. You, it may never bloom again, or it mm. may bloom. It may bloom every year. You don't know, but it's, I think there's a teaching in that most people give up on it when there's no more flowers. And well, that's well stated. And as you're saying, I'm thinking about cactus would be my would be my, uh, you know, teacher plant. It's like, that's what it is. Well, cactus. So people wonder, people always ask me, is cactus a bad feng shui plant? So, you know, if you look at like the rules, yeah, they would generally, if you're going to give a generic teaching on a plant for feng shui purposes, you would want something that's very soft, rounded, flowing, like mm. heart shaped. And you would want to generally avoid pointy, sharp plants. Like However, a snake plant. Like this, well, I and you see, I have one Ooh, there. I, I have, I have a bunch of them all over the place. Yes, or mm. like, or a cactus. But the real teaching is, is that sometimes people need the cactus. Sometimes people need the 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 sword of the snake plant. Like for me, I have that snake plant. Mm. Wait, I'm trying yeah. to point at it. We it's can in see my, it. It's in my fame area of my home. That represents my reputation, my fire oh. element, and I put it there. When I started to get more and more known and I was starting to see that people were slandering me or other things. So it's it also allows me to kind of hold a sort of protection. Well, sort of like progenous sword plant. Exactly. Right? Yeah. In in terms of my visibility in the world, because it's not the easiest thing for me to hear people saying negative things about me or to mm. or, and also to protect me a little bit um, or allow me to protect myself a little bit when people, you know, I'm not accustomed to like now so many people ask things of me. So yeah. again, how to kind of protect myself with some fierce compassion. Right. What are they asking you to do that you don't want to do mostly? 
oh, you know, it doesn't happen as much anymore. I've created better boundaries. But like people used to like send me emails with all the pictures of their home or say, and then I would delete it. And then they would email me saying, I can't believe you didn't even respond to the email. I spent mm. all this, you know, and. But and they're asking you for a free reading, you mean, essentially? Yes. People do that all the time. But um, wow. I have better boundaries now. Like I have a checkbox on my. Right. On my contact form, it says, I acknowledge if I'm asking a personal question, I will not receive a response. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. I've created a lot of boundaries, but yeah. it, I, I'm quite sensitive because I, I like to respond to people, but I can't, I can't just, I just have limited amounts of cheese. Yeah. So I can only do yeah. so much. Oh, man, this conversation is just as, as uh, Ralph Cramman used to say, to the moon. <laughs> you know, the Dharma moon. Uh, this is so uh, also what, you know, what, when we started Dharma moon, you were right in there with, with us. And mm -hmm. I thought of you as like a, an important piece of what we're trying to cultivate and create, you know, the type of content and uh, branding that we want to create. We've sort of leaned into the Buddhist piece a little bit. Um, um, and, you know, my son, you can just do a year long Buddhist studies course. And we just added a tier two to that. So Training, you know, people in, in Buddhism, there's, there's not that many places to go to get good, um, you know, more in-depth training. But the kind of stuff we're talking about is really uh, where my heart is. And I also see possibilities um, for you that have, have borne fruit, you know. Um, and um, it, it'll be interesting to, to um, peer over your hedge a little bit there and see what's going on. And we haven't caught up for a while. So this was just amazing for me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. I miss yeah. talking to you. Yeah. Well, we have to make sure that we, you know, it's the same thing. There's a lot of people probably asking each of us to spend time. And, We're so uh, busy you know, now. if your heart's open, you want to, you want to have those conversations. That's, it's, that's what, to me, that's what makes life worth living. But um, we have to check in again sooner than this was. Okay. 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 So, uh, hold the book up one more time for the, for the people, um, mindful homes, Angie Cho, uh, we'll have it listed in the, you know, in, in the uh, podcast and people know how to get it by the time we do it and anything else you want them to know. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Angie. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. Episode number 42 of the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast with Angie Cho, Mindful Homes. We'd like to thank Angie so much for joining us, and we wish her nothing but continued success as a person with her book and in her career and in all ways. On a personal note, uh, I had to redo my living situation when my personal life had a big shift a few years ago, and I was very fortunate to work with Angie, and at the end of the episode here, I'm going to just put a public shout-out of gratitude, um, saying thank you for how profoundly um, beneficial that was to me, and I still endeavor to imply these concepts in my personal space. And uh, it's an ongoing project and process, that I try not to treat like a project uh, and it's enriched my life and therefore enriched the lives of those that come into my home. So thank you, Angie. And uh, check out that book and, uh, you know, see if you can apply that mindfulness to your space. There we go. This is an episode and before any episode is complete, folks, we have to give a huge shout out 
to Be Here Now Network. So thank you, Be Here Now Network, and everyone involved there, Corey and the whole team, for distributing these, doing the post-production. So we have to encourage you to please head over to BeHereNowNetwork.com. If you want to hear more of these podcasts, put slash David after that dot com. However, there's so many amazing podcasts uh, with amazing teachers from the world's wisdom traditions where you can listen and learn and incorporate that wisdom into your life. I know for me, before I was a mindfulness practitioner, I spent a lot of time listening to podcasts on the Be Here Now Network with people talking about their experiences meditating. (laughs) And if you're one of those people... Once you get done over at Be Here Network, BeHereNowNetwork.com, head over to DharmaMoon.com where you can connect with David and all of us and all of our teachers and community. On the third Sunday of every week, we've, uh, the third Sunday of every month, I believe there's only uh, four Sundays in a month and one in a week, you can join us at our community meditation. That's 10 a.m. Eastern time. It's for three hours, but you can drop in and drop out whenever you need to. Uh, right now, we've got like a great Foundations of Mindfulness course running, depending on when you listen to this, uh, that might be an evergreen program where you can uh, just, you know, just take the program. It'll be on the website. I believe that'll be with Eve Lewis Prieto, who is the head of teaching at Headspace. And uh, we're always running mindfulness meditation teacher training programs. Look, it's a great program. I know. I'm a teacher in it, so perhaps I'm a little biased as it being my preferred method for cultivating a um, the ability to place attention in the present moment combined with that sense of non-biased awareness. But if you're interested in deepening your practice and potentially even becoming a mindfulness meditation teacher, I encourage everyone to head over to dharmamoon.com and check out our 100-hour mindfulness meditation teacher training. I'm just riffing some promo now, you know, and this is all after you go to BeHereNowNetwork.com. So also, if you don't want to do the whole 100 hours, you can just take the level one of the teacher training and it's awesome and you'll be taught the basics of mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, awareness meditation, and contemplative meditation, which contemplative can take on a lot of different connotations and different traditions. But in the way that we teach, which is really in the Kagyu Nyingma school of the Indo-Tibetan Buddhist tradition, there is Vipassana, which translates as superior seeing or clear seeing. And there's analytical Vipassana and non-analytical Vipassana. So Normally, when you do mindfulness meditation and you're just using the breath as an object of support for your meditation and you notice your mind wander and you return, you're not really discursively using your mind uh, to sort of dig in deeply analytically to a topic, right? You're just seeing and insight spontaneously arises. So we call that aspect of the practice, which arises out of the shamatha, we call that vipassana, not just we. Oh, I guess the episode's over, so you have to come to dharmamoon.com and check it out. Thank you, everybody. Be well. May this be of benefit. May you be safe, healthy, happy, and at ease. All the best and much love. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. 
what would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P.com slash be here now.